Hi guys, just a quick one from Mitch. And Chad. Uh, just to say, we uh, thanks for taking a, a punt on this. Thanks for downloading it or listening to it. It's our first podcast. We don't really know what we're doing, but we're giving it a good old college try. Good old college try. Um, apologies for the ums. Apologies for the sweet. There's going to be a lot of that coming up. Um, more waffle than Belgium yep. in general. Um, see, I'm, I'm in already. So really apologies for that. But I hope you enjoy. Come with us on this crazy journey. Um, we're just two guys who love some Horace Heresy and That's the Age of right. Darkness. And we'd love to share that with you. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the I've Forgotten Our Name. Hello and welcome to the Amasek and Archaeotech podcast. My name's Mitch. And I'm Chad. And on this episode, we're going to introduce ourselves, we're going to have a look at what we've been hobbying, and look at the Liber Panoptica Decurion. So, Chad. Yes, mate. Who the hell are you? I am Chad. I play Salamanders. Nice. I'm open to potential options in the future, but also I'm not. My heart is, my wallet isn't. Yes, I can, um, I can sympathise with that. And, you know, one love, one passion, as it were. Exactly. You know, stick to what you love. We are both new Horus Heresy players. We started playing when the new edition came out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a distant, out-of-reach passion for quite a time. Yeah, it certainly was. It was a... Yeah, if your wallet's hurting now, imagine back then your wallet would be screaming. I don't know, with the price increase, it might have even now and out, but yeah. That's true, actually, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, quite true. The reason why we've created this podcast is to talk about how we can make um, not the competitive element be the focus, but more that the the narrative be king, and maybe even just to document how we struggle, or you know, I may struggle with that sort of competitive nature. Because there are times where you're going to want to maybe choose this because it just makes sense. Sometimes rules are better because they're just better, and mm. it can be a bit of a struggle to claw yourself away from that that choice because there are going to be some definite ones where it's just like I can pay the same points or I can do whatever and I don't feel like I'm going to be effective on the tabletop and I think from listening to is it the iterators yeah the iterators podcast they did a really great job of just talking about how that how you've, you've got to almost not restructure your brain but have a think about well, well just because in the rules it's not great mm. how can we make it so that you're still telling a story. At yeah. the end of the day, that's that's what the Horace Heresy is about, right? It's, it's very much so. It's a narrative. It's about telling a narrative, creating one for ourselves, and that's what we've had the fun. It's such a rich arena. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, of storytelling, you know, there's 54 novels, right, in the main series, and then all the audio dramas and short stories that are just mean a lot to people. You know, people pick on sentences from little things and could base an entire army on it. And that's the sort of thing that I find really interesting. So yeah, when it comes to actually what, how do we have fun when we play together, it's kind of adding a bit of that to how we play. Yeah, it's adding, it's adding that sparkle, right? And, yeah. and it is the ultimate rule of call situation with models, right? Because there are some amazing models out there for yeah. all of it. Because we both love Volkite weapons, right? 
like because they weren't around when we were kids in 40k and they were like oh volkite they're the weapons of the the past even like in the 30k and they just look cool and the idea of them and then i was like remember when we played that game i was like oh yeah there's a heavy one i'm going to build this squad of heavy Heavy volkite culverins and then it's a five-man squad is is 50 dice to shoot because they're five shots and it's strength five and it's yeah quite devastating and it's like oh is this a bit of a dick move but then i kind of it puts you in a bit of an awkward situation because you don't want to give your opponent a bit of a you know oh hi oh yeah i've just deleted your squad sorry about that (laughs) um but so there's a balance to find right yeah definitely and and equally on on the other side of that coin being an alpha legion player against salamanders i i love velkite but talking to that game element and maybe the struggles I have I haven't equipped any Volkite because Salamanders get a natural plus minus one to wound roll against it, Is it minus yeah, that's, yeah that's kind of put you off hasn't it it's like well you can roll to hit but like your wound roll will suffer a minus one yeah. but then I've got things where you're always two inches further away which is a constant rule yeah, yeah. exactly um, and again it's the idea of well you I'm that is me choosing because I know my opponent's going to be. Yeah, that's the pitfalls player. of us being our main opponents, right? It's yeah. that we're always kind of okay. Well, you're always two inches away, or like, well, I, I don't want. I'm not going to get the most out of that because you're going to get the minus one to wound yeah. roll or stuff like this. Which is, you know, where we're now starting to go to our local game store to play. Uh, we're getting a bit of a variety of different opponents now, so we can kind of branch out. But, yeah. Um, we we can branch out, and it's also about making sure that you know, even that is the case. It's about telling a story. So maybe it's about me going, well, actually, I want Volkite. I love Volkite. Let's let's put a squad together of Volkite Marines. They're going to face Salamanders. Well, it's tough. That's just who they come across, mm. and Salamanders are going to yeah, man, tell your story exactly. And it's about making those stories possible. So you know, that's kind of where we wanted to talk, uh, and we want to talk about when when we came together to start making this podcast essentially Mm. and like a a dream a goal but i've always wanted to create a campaign that's interactive a narrative campaign that people can just wherever they are in the world play a game with their friends at their local game store and the results will count towards it and will shape how it builds and continues so kind of our ambition also is to is to build one of those and see how we get along, you know, listen to what's out there in the community and start to create something that by joining in and submitting your results, telling us about some of your backstory, all sorts of stuff like this. Yeah, we're going to build a, a narrative campaign. Yeah, 100%. And and to be absolutely clear, everyone, we're new to this hobby. Mm. Not new for the, to the law, not new to the models and modeling or the painting side of the hobby, but we're new to this edition of the game. This is our first foray into the Horus Heresy. So Mm. it's also about bringing you along for the journey and we might get things wrong, but that's part of building a community and and wanting to contribute towards the community rather than just being, you know, around and and benefiting from such amazing resources that are out there. We want to try and help. Certainly, we're not going to come in and start dictating this is how we want it to be. We, uh, we're we very much aware that there's a, already a vast community of Horus Heresy players that have been around for a very long time. So we kind of just want to sort of join in, really, and, and make our own little corner. Yeah, 100%. Of uh, this dodecahedron. Uh, <laughs> of this, yeah, of this constantly shifting shape from the warp. That's sort of an introduction to ourselves. Um, I say a little, a bit more but let's get on to what we've been hobbying this week. 
So, Chad. Yes, what, mate. What have you been up to this week? What have I been up to? Right, well, I've finished an inductee squad, and you may recognise that from a recent release. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentioned from the forthcoming... Siege of Cthonia? Siege of Cthonia, yeah, campaign book that's come in. They've mentioned them there. But before that, I came across these in a community-made rule set called the uh, Liber Panoptica. Yes, that's correct. And Liber Centura are some community rules that have expanded units and, and expanded rules, errata, and balance changes, which we've kind of dabbled with and yeah. we'll expand on that a bit more there was a inductee squad amongst them and law wise basically they are the the new marines the new recruits in the heresy that are being rushed through their indoctrination process so that leaves them with a a lower weapon skill ballistic skill and lower leadership i've painted them in lead belcher basically just with a green shoulder pad the blank shoulder pad on my Mark VI Marines. Green helmets and backpacks with a black studded shoulder. Nice. And in the Liber Centura, the sergeant is a veteran sergeant because he's kind of been tasked with the taking them out on their first missions or whatever. And it's a bit of a kind of a suicide mission for him in a way. It's like, well, you know, we're rushing these guys through. They're not as good yet they don't have the the training that you've gone through but yeah. you know you're in charge of you know seeing these through so you you might not make it because they're not as capable i guess in an ideal world you'd almost think they're what um in 40k law what scouts were right yes the idea yeah, that they were sort of the first sort of people vibe. out or the first sort of you've just been turned into a uh, starties Mm. So you've gone on from there. I say 40k law because I don't actually know. I think in 30k, scouts are more sort of specialists, as in like they don't think they're just the new recruits, but I could be wrong. There, there's definitely a scout, a scout squad, right? And the scout centurion you can have as well. Yeah. Uh, Pathfinder, if I remember correctly. I think you're right. Um, so I know they don't, they have scout armor, which gives them a, uh, you know, a minus to their save, right? But I think they still might have the same weapon skill and ballistic skill. I think so. Whereas the inductee don't. So I chose the inductee unit because I thought you don't see a lot of that for salamanders because after Istvan 5, mm-hmm. they do go a bit quiet, which is just room for my head cannon to run right with. head cannon. Yeah, exactly. Enter the head cannon. I've not come across of uh, salamanders inductee stuff. I know you normally find them with Sons of Horus and Imperial Fists because they're the focus in the Siege of Terror. But, you know, why I not? I think White Scars, you hear... I don't know if they're called Ooh. inductee, but there is that sort of person who... There's definitely the legions that make it to Terror, right? Yes, definitely yeah. mention them. Yeah, I yeah. think Blood Angels probably have a few as well. Yeah, so I just thought that'd be a bit different. And you're also ahead of the curve in terms of the official rules. Uh, yeah, that's it. I started building and painting them before that was announced. So, yeah, that was that was interesting to have them officially announced whilst painting them. So that's quite funny. So I finished them and I've started painting some rhinos. Nice. That I had lying around. I think one was originally a whirlwind kit that I've taken the missiles off and made it a rhino for now. But I can still pop those doors off if I want to swap it for any reason. The old swap and change. Exactly. That's the great thing about that chassis. So yeah, painting two of those and my Predator, getting that up to the same speed they're all kind of in the same phase yeah yeah uh what else no that's it from me nice what and about what yourself mate i have been focusing mainly on a questorus knight and finishing off two armagers 
it has been a long process. I started them before I recently moved house, and I moved house four or five months ago now. Pretty much the start of the year, was it? Uh, November. November. Yeah. Yeah. So I was And you definitely just... had the armages before then. Yeah. Painted. Uh, I had the armages painted before then, but the armages aren't complete because I've still got to finish off a few bits and pieces on them. But they were pretty much complete, mm-hmm. like, and they're not based, but they're pretty much there just been focusing on finishing those off really but the last two or so weeks i haven't really been doing much of that kind of had a bit of a hobby glut i'm very much a sort of go hard and then die burn yourself out mate that's your problem yeah it's true i'm kind of burning the afterburners and then having to cool down and then going again that's kind of been my main focus yeah it's it's been i've enjoyed it i have to say from building the titanicus kits the orig- the plastic Restorus Knight is underwhelming. The actual construction of it, like, the AT pl- no, no, Knight, sorry, the, the the original the eight twenty eight mil scale, right? Because it's um, the legs are static. You can't, oh, you can't change them. Well, you can if you want to do a lot of work. But it was it was enough work to just magnetize stuff. All the magnet stuff isn't exactly isn't like in the Warlords or anywhere else, which is all beautifully magnetized, like have the slots ready for your magnets. Mm. I know it's a few years old now, the the kit, but it's just a bit, eh, in terms of when you compare it to what what AT is able to provide, and they are just different scales of the same kind of stompy mm. stompy robots. I actually preferred the armages as, uh, as a kit to put together for myself. But the, the painting of it, yeah, it's going all right. They look good, man. They look really good. And Thank what you. I also enjoy is that you've put the effort in to put the LEDs. I have, yes. I've LED'd their little eyes. Very cool. Green, right? Green, yes. Yeah. Green, green. Yeah, so it, it's been good. I've been mainly painting with scale 75 paints mm. and the metallics. And for the main armor, that was with Monuments, a transparent purple. Mm. Um, and a few Vallejo Silvers. So, What's the? They're based off a actual Legio, right? Or sorry, not a, a Knight Household. Knight Household. It's a Ionden or Ionden, depending on how you pronounce it. Yeah, they their their law is essentially kind of fits with the Alpha Legion because they had a big empire they wanted to keep, and then they all kind of fell upon each other as sort of the Age of Darkness came and it fell apart, and they're all trying to basically get their their power back and why they're alpha legiony is because they're known for false color operations and for basically turning up and pretending to be a different knight household and then turning on their allies so that sort of yeah all kind of ties in with the alpha legion situation so you love a bit of subterfuge mate love it mate all about that subterfuge situation uh, but yeah in, enjoy them to paint i'm doing the weathering start uh, side of it now with some oil paints and stuff and enjoying doing that and having to like learn how to use oils i've it's the first time i've experimented using oils for the armages and the knights so i've done like washes on my marines after a gloss varnish doing oil wash around the gaps which i've quite enjoyed like with a dark brown i think it's burnt sienna maybe or burnt amber or something just windsor and newton right that's what you're using is it yeah windsor and newton um the burnt amber quite cheap from you know you can get it in w8 smith's yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like they're, they're. I guess they're expensive for paints, but you have one tube. Oh, that'll last me forever. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. The, the, just... You only need a little bit. Yeah, it's gonna take a long time to get get through it. But um, for your stuff, what, what were you using to paint other than the oils? For the inductee, just lead belcher, pretty much. And then, yeah, I've got a bit of a process for the green, which I'm sure I'll 
detail at some point. And then it's just that pro acryl. But I <laughs> made an investment, shall we say, and bought the entire range because I did some research for a little while and, um, yeah, a bit whimsical perhaps, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bought, bought the entire range because I'm very much all in or all out. So I did that. And yeah, the, the coal black is uh, delightful to use. comes out really well. Oh, I've, I've used that and I enjoy it. I've, yeah. The white's also a good white as well. Apparently so. I've not used that extensively yet, but the, the coal black for the salamander stuff just comes out really well. Very pleased with that. So Cool. Very cool. And I've got an old tin bits that I'm using for the metallics. Tin bits highlighted with hashtag copper. And you actually mean Citadel tin bits. So you're talking like... Yeah, Yeah, from back in the day. It's an old paint collection, if I recall, that we purchased probably underground. Oh, God, yeah. When we tried to get back into it ages ago, right? We This was when Horus Heresy first was... Or not quite first when it was announced, but there was a Horus Heresy Forge World Day, right? And we went up to Nottingham... And we bought the first black book together. Yes, we did. And then we probably bought that paint set uh, at if, the same if, time. If not, yeah, close around, around the same time. And then I think we got as far as trying out test schemes for uh, Emperor's Children. Didn't quite get what we wanted and then just fell off of it again. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, I think that was about right. Yeah, so it's ups and downs. Well, hobby and then with our, our general... Over the years, but here we are, we're back, and this time, it's personal. (laughs) And this time, in podcast form, (laughs) (laughs) almost. So, I picked up a Venator this weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was looking at the Cerberus, but it's a Lord of War, and I thought it's going to be a little while till we get to that level of gaming, so... That's a Spartan chassis, right? Yes, yeah, okay. and the Venator is the Sakaran. Nice, love a Sakaran. Chassis, so it keeps a, a bit more variety because I don't have one of those yet. Oh, very I've cool. got the Spartan that came with the box set. So, yeah, that, that type of chassis is, is new to me, so I look forward to... You've got quite a few armoured uh, bits and pieces now, am I right? Leviathan. Yeah. Uh, shooty Leviathan, the Predator, the support tank, and the Spartan that comes with the box, and then, yeah, this will be another tank. Nice, nice. Yeah. It's it's you know a lot of people have said it's it's very infantry friendly right this game but yeah. or this version but there's still a place for tanks I think they I just... mean I mean well James again what's was... a Space Marine army without a tank well exactly exactly and Games Workshop certainly think so because we've had uh, oh like... yeah Heresy Tank Day yeah Heresy Tank Day so um, what we did also get is some sea beams some um... yes they were announced for the. AT stuff. AT stuff. So Warhammer. Didn't see that coming, to be fair. Absolutely a C-beam at that scale. No, and I absolutely love a C-beam. We were talking mm. about uh, Volkite before. I think C-beams might be my... Uh, conversion beamers might be my favourite. Uh, well, it was originally Volkite for sure. And then mm. when I saw a conversion beam, I had one of those for my um, Alpha Legion Dreadnought before, obviously, any of the plastic stuff came out because you can get it now just in plastic, just mm. willy-nilly. C-beams so you've got a resin one. I've got a resin one, yeah. I've got a resin one somewhere... Again, when I first started getting into this, it was before the 4.2.0 was actually announced. So yeah, I had a Mark, pack of Mark III and a pack of Mark IV and then a Dreadnought are the, the ones I grabbed. Painted the Mark III up, painted the Mark IV up. Partly a, well, it's not a box dread. It's a, the original Contemptor kit, which I think came with the, uh, one of the like 
box games uh, they did ages ago, the Horus Heresy sort of like thingamajigat calf. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there was another did they have thing. a dread in them, did they? Yeah, and I've got it. It's a plastic one. It is the most like... So it's the old school... It's not the old school box dread. No, it's the it's a Contemptor. It's the first plastic Contemptor, technically. Oh, that one that you can't pose. It's a two... It's literally, yeah, it's like Kiddie Lego version. Duplo. Of, Duplo is the... Yeah, it's Duplo. <laughs> It's Duplo for Contemptors is basically ah. what it is. But I also brought a resin Contemptor as well before, uh, well, years ago, before they recently got rid of them all. So with that came the the, the C-Beam. So that's exciting. Nice. And then the other thing is, semi-recently, is the old Militia list, which has just dropped. And that seems Yeah, dropped today as of recording. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's a conversion kitbash um playground doesn't it those kind of armies 100 percent, 100 percent. i don't know how i mean I, I would love to see someone actually take it to a warhammer shop or a warhammer event and they all be citadel models because there's so many models you'd have to field like Ooh, it yeah. seems very very cool for like other shall we say game companies models you know like militaristic right okay yeah. military friendly stuff because you can do all kinds of crazy stuff you yeah like napoleonic looking stuff you could do like you said, feudal it's an absolute world, yeah. dream. Yeah, a feudal world, you could do anything with it, really. Yeah, interesting. Just coming along with the uh, Laszlox or whatever else to... I think I saw, I think it was like 80 points or something like that for 20 models. Um, yeah, yeah, I skimmed it as well. And I have, uh, I have I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I have the enthusiasm of someone who loves a horde army, but the painting skill <laughs> of someone who basically should just build one titan and then put it on the field, and that's my entire army. Mm. Even that would take... Yeah five years to construct and it'll take like 10,000 years yeah exactly exactly so anyway we've rambled long enough I think about our, our hobbies and bits and pieces so we'll move on let's to, get stuck in yeah to the main event which is the Panoptica Decurion so it's a game mode yes based on the very mini scale shall I read it mate Shall I find it and read it? Yeah, please do. Let's share the wealth. The Decurion game mode is an alternative game mode to the existing game modes presented in the Horse Heresy Age of Darkness called Rules and Other Publications and is designed to allow players to represent the smaller skirmishes between covert strike teams, lone survivors banded together and more. Decurion places its emphasis on the desperate fights for survival that these groups would endure, allowing players to pick up small numbers of models and get quick games running. Because of this, the way you construct forces to cure in games differs greatly for other game modes. They recommend between 500 and 1,000 points. We played recently with 375 points apiece. Yeah, we did. And that was still felt like a good size because it was a couple of small squads of five. Yes. And some leaders. So the rules are the following effects must be adhered to whilst constructing a force. You must construct your force using the force organization chart, which I'll go on to in a moment. Uh, no models with a unique subtype may be selected. All models are classed as individuals unless they are in unit coherency at the end of the movement phase. If they do this, they form an ad hoc unit. Now, we've had a lot of... Backwards and forwards? Yeah, between how this happens or why it happens or is just having them end up together in the movement phase does it feel right because there's lots of things that we've come across where you can move at the end of combat yep uh consolidation or in a reaction where you can move yeah 
and we're like, well, can you move out of it now or not? I mean, strictly, according to this, it seems no. Would it unbalance it too much if you started doing that? I think we'd like to try where you can just move at any point in and out of ad hoc units but and, and see if it does unbalance it. Yeah, They can be formed at the deployment, which when we played last, we did do. We deployed in little ad hoc units. And I think the last time we played was the most fun. Yeah, we've gotten out of, of playing like that. Definitely. Um, and it was just much more smooth running. Yeah, they can only contain models which are Swarm Brothers. I mean, we've only played as one Legion against each other. So I won't go into this too much. But if, you know... If people do want to play as multiple legions, there are definitely some more rules to scrutinise that. Models in an ad hoc unit are treated as a single unit for the purposes of all rules, including leadership tests, movement, shooting attacks made against them, and so on. For purposes of allies, special rules or anything else that would require checking the allies matrix, it's all the faction of your hero. If you do, again, have multiple legions... We'll get to the organisation of what a hero means in a sec. Yeah. Only models in base-to-base contact during their initiative step may fight in the assault phase, which is proven quite interesting when we were getting used to it. Yeah, that's quite good. Quite good Uh, fun. All models with the infantry unit type in a warband are counted as having the line subtype unless the faction those models are from is counted as distrusted allies relative to your hero's faction. No model may issue a challenge... Because the way it's kind of... It's always one-to-one pretty much anyway, or at least it's base-to-base, so you don't... Yeah. It's not necessary. Basically, everyone is at the level of challenging other people, more or less. Yeah. You may not select a model with a Legion Standard, and Legion Praetors, Legion Cataphracti Praetors, and Tartarus Praetors, and Legion Indomitus Praetors may not be selected. So no Praetors. It's on the smaller scale. And the, the only other rule that I can recall is that no one can have a 2 plus armor save. It automatically reverts to a 3 plus. And yep, any trooper with a 2 plus armor save characteristic instead has a 3 plus armor save in this game mode. Their armor is degraded beyond its normal protection as a result of their ongoing fighting and is not at full effectiveness. Yeah, so essentially you think of this game mode as the final fight or the final event in a um in you know like the big action hero scene like they've got to the event everyone's battered it's like someone's lost an arm not everyone's made it along the way um you're down to 10, ten shots each you know your I'll arm bite your breached. legs off exactly you you're, you're breached your arm is breached you you're you're doing what you can um or you're behind enemy lines and it's very much operation market garden all over again yeah, it, it, we we enjoyed it a lot. As I said, we originally thought it was going to be a, a sort of a kill team level thing, but with that squad, we've played three games now. Yes, first or one three was and a half. Zone Mortalis style. It was, but it wasn't. We didn't use the right reactions in the end, and I think it suffered from that. But where we had tightly packed terrain, there were a lot of instances where people were just ending up in uh, ad hoc units and whoever was outnumbered in that situation was just wiped out instantly from the the shooting. So we kind of got, I think we tried to, for a little while, stop ad hoc units or create scenarios or kind of engineer it so that that wasn't a thing because of that kind of easily unbalanced. But then in the final game we played, we kind of lent into it more and we started off with ad hoc squads and kind of had a better time of it, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, again, that sort of the, the preconceptions of what it was, having no context to like how, how other game modes would, would have, were played or how you should play it, and being relatively new to the rules ourselves and maybe overcomplicating things um, in our own minds. Uh, yeah, having those two units set out, and again, only at 375, so we still got more room to expand to what they recommend at 500 points. Yeah, it, it worked out well. I think, yeah, I think we'll just dive into some of the units that we've used yeah um, or so, i should just do the force organization chart first yeah so with the force org chart you've got so the compulsory is one hero and nine troopers optional is that plus two leaders and another nine troopers so a hero is uh, is an infantry model it must have the character subtype and may have the independent character special rule so i had a veteran sergeant yeah and you had a centurion saboteur that's right so those were our heroes yeah a leader must have the character subtype but may not have the independent character special rule so i had um five assault marines so one of those was well the sixth was a assault sergeant yep and then i had tactical sergeant with us that was the one that was in your and i had two headhunter primuses so they're basically your primes they're the the sergeant equivalent of the Alpha Legion headhunter team. Yeah, very expensive. Mm. Because, talking of points cost, the cost of a hero or leader is either their normal cost, if they are normally able to be purchased as a single model, like your Centurion, mm-hmm. or the cost of adding additional models to the unit they are normally part of with an additional plus 10 points. So a Legion Tactical Sergeant would cost 20 points in total in this example because in a Tactical Squad, to add another uh, model is 10 points and then plus 10. Yeah, so if, in my instance, my Centurion, who was my hero, cost the same as my two leaders because I put a load of war gear on my two leaders. So they were 80 points apiece uh, with that extra 10-point tax. Uh, which made them very, very expensive for what they were. But just going on to the troops, before we move on to those specifically, they can be any any troop, as far as we understand it, any infantry model. Yeah, any infantry model. Uh, they must not have the character subtype or independent character special rule. Again, the cost of a trooper is the cost of adding additional models to the unit they are normally a part of. Any upgrade, which is normally set as one per X models, still requires that number of models to be part of your warband. So with my Assault Marines, you can have a Hand Flamer per five. And because I had five, I was able to equip one with a Hand Flamer. Yeah, and with my Primus, the reason why, another reason why they became expensive on my Prime, my Headhunter Primes, was because I wanted to bring the Melter Gun, which you can bring in a Headhunter squad, but it has to be a five-man Headhunter team. And I didn't have the points for that. So I put the Inferno Pistol on each one of the Primes, which was a 15-point upgrade. So, again, one of the reasons why they're shut up in price is because that's kind of why I spent my, my Melter equivalent. And they didn't even get to shoot them. Not one of them. Not one of them. So going to the game itself, yeah, the, my, my two leaders did not perform well. Well, they both only have one wound, so they have the stats. Of... Yeah, you were, you were chucking them around like they own the place, and uh, unfortunately... Yep, did not they did not own the place, Chad. They were owned by the place. Yeah, it was your house. That, yeah. <laughs> very much so. Yeah, so they have the ballistic skill of a veteran, but they don't have the weapon skill of a veteran. No, so when I did deep strike my 
assault marines by you, surrounded you and blocked you in on that corner of the table. We were bogged down in fighting for quite a while and because you'd given your troopers chainsaws as well, it's yeah. kind of a match for match, wasn't it, really? And your headhunters didn't have the edge on that. No, they really didn't. I think what's interesting here to just to describe, I think, as an example, is that because each model is a unit, what Ched did was he, he was able to drop in each individual unit uh, as a deep strike so his whole that squad didn't come in as one go they came in individually so he only had to put that initial model in scatter that initial model and then the rest came in afterwards it wasn't like one big block so we then had the rest of the 24 inches 24 inches as well yeah, 12 inches from the first thing and it was a good thing we did use the Lieber panoptica rule for a deep strike because i, I did instantly. scatter off the table instantly, instantly off the table yeah so that kind of saved that for me which was lucky and not only that, so he, he managed to jump in and then I, I failed my leadership test even though I had formed an ad hoc squad just by being in proximity um, with my headhunter prime and the rest of my standard tactical guys because I, all I had was tactical guys with chainsaws and my two headhunters and my saboteur. Yeah, so they were a squad of four, I think it was four or five guys and they failed their pinning test even with a leadership knight. Yes, which meant I couldn't um, shoot back at me. Couldn't shoot back in the interceptor with, with the intercept. So I didn't even get to use that sweet Inferno pistol to melt a guy. Mm. Got none of that. Yeah, that would have been a, a quick kill, wouldn't it, really? Would have been lovely. Going back to your saboteur, I think he played an important role for you in that mission. The mission we did was Tide of Carnage, and it was on the deployment map for Search and Destroy. And Tide of Carnage was 357. So three points for... Yeah, three points for your deployment zone, for having a model at the end of the game in your deployment zone. Then No Man's Land, the other two quarters you don't deploy in, was five points. And then the opponent's deployment quarter is seven points. Yes, and Search and Destroy is essentially a quarter on the long end side of the board, diagonally from each other, and then a centre of the board, I think it was 18 inches, where you cannot yeah, put any units circle, yeah. Yeah, to deploy. So... Yeah, so my saboteur, he essentially, well, he has a rule which is false colours. He can't be shot. He, we can't be targeted for a shooting attack at any point unless he himself fires. And the only way you can get to him essentially is you can, he can be charged uh, normally. Within how how many inches was it? Standard standard charge, twelve inches. Oh, so when yeah, that was it. When he when within twelve inches, then I was like Terry. Ter- Wait a minute, you're not Terry. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. So when you're doing 12, he can he can make the charge, but they still can't shoot because they're still not 100% sure. Mm. And he was equipped with nothing but a power dagger and a standard bolter because I knew he wasn't going to shoot. Your Alpha Legion power daggers. A sweet power dagger. Which didn't do a lot for you that game. No, which are very hit and miss. Sometimes you get a sweet, yeah, and half the time you get a sweet, no. There's <laughs> um, only 15 points for the upgrade to make him a saboteur. He does get melter bombs, breach charges, and type of smoke bombs that I can't remember what they're called off the top of my head, but they... Um, shroud? Sh- shroud bombs? No, sh- it might be shroud bombs. But basically, it's your legion, mate. It's, it is. I think it just extends, again, how far away they are to shoot. I think it's like eight inches. So six or eight? Six or eight. You should look out. I should. But six or eight inches... So he's got all that, but he didn't need to be that. Didn't need that because he wasn't going to get shot anyway. Because my objective was, I was thinking, just get him across into your deployment zone because he can just stand there and not get shot. 
And there's a sweet little gangway that he climbed up a ladder across. The mezzanine. The sweet mezzanine. And he ran across that. So although you had a squad of the Volkite Volkite chargers chargers. that were running towards him and your squad behind him, he got up the ladder first, got up the mezzanine, so he was above them. And there was enough sort of cover, line of sight, because I was under it, you were on top of it, couldn't shoot you. So I just kept going underneath towards your squad that was behind. Yeah. And they had an altercation and got Volkite off the table. Absolutely annihilated, yeah. So my saboteurs are running up. If you can visualise it, my saboteurs climbed up a ladder, run up a mezzanine, going, running past the squad that's underneath going like, is that Terry? Mm. Not too sure. They, they Terry's come... going the wrong way. <laughs> oh, that's so, so like Terry. Just like Terry. And they come across a squad of standards guys with a headhunter, been shiny blue armour this time, so mm. like, that's not us. And then proceed to tune the crap out of them until there's nothing left. Out the five... That you had left at that point because I had another squad up the sides that managed to get one lucky shot yeah. and take out. Was it your sergeant that went first? Yes, because I stupidly was like, oh, I know what I'll do. He's got a two plus save because he's got artificial That's armor. That's it. On. You tried to tank the hits on him, but he only had one wound. So once he rolled, was gone, he was gone. And of course, gone. I rolled a one on like the second shot. So it didn't really matter anyway. So you lost your headhunter. You didn't have the powerful shooting. Then the five guys that were left tuned three of them off and then you charged me and I overwatched and got the rest of them. Yes, yes. And then I was free to climb up the mezzanine after Terry. Which you did. But before you climbed up the mezzanine after me, back to when we were initially talking about the, the usefulness of separating Ched's assault squad. Yeah, from reserves deep striking. So I had, I think it was six in total. It was five, five Marines and the sergeant assault Marines. So I aims to initially just get them all in one corner and then deal with your five men over there. But rolling for each of them, one failed. So I still had one in reserve. Turn three, as Terry, not Terry, was running across the mezzanine, (laughs) I thought, well, I've got one guy left. Let's bring him down over here. So got him in, did the roll for him to land on the mezzanine, scattered off the mezzanine, so missed him. So I was on the floor out in nowhere. After the tuming happened, next turn. Following turn, yeah. I uh, I jumped back up to meet you where we haven't played a lot with the jump packs. No, I, I put it this so way. So you were, you were surprised, shall I was, we say. I was shocked by the... The 12-inch move. 12-inch move of completely yeah, just ignores terrain. So I was like, wait, how have you got up here? But no, it specifically says ignores terrain, so and it is a jump pack, so you know. Straight I, to the mezzanine. Yeah, my my assault sergeant came to say hello to Terry and realised it was in fact not Terry. It was not Terry. It wasn't Terry not Terry, it was it, just not Terry. No, it wasn't Terry, it was in fact Alpharius and I took umbrage with this and we proceeded to go at it very thematically on the end of the mezzanine. He had a power mole because he's actually my chaplain model that I was using for the sergeant. Yeah. So I gave him a power mole because you had a centurion with your saboteur. I was hitting on fives because you had the better weapon skill. Yes. But I was wounding on twos because a mole is plus two strength. Yes. But then you had a two plus save, so you just kept saving it. But the the power which you could hit was so it was stronger. 
but I was able to get more hits on you. But I, the hits I was making was much more sort of death by a thousand cuts versus every hit you were making. With the power dagger that has five to rending? Uh, five to rending, yes. So you were trying to get those fives. No, because it's only strength three, I need those fives. Yeah. It's basically without a five, you're not doing anything to standard power armor. So I was able to make my hits, but I couldn't make the wounds. You were able to make less hits, but were able to make the wounds. Yeah. But I was able to save the wounds with a two plus save. So it was very much like probably two, two or three turns. I think it was. Yeah, it took it took a while. It was one of the last things to go. But after that happened, because you did kill my sergeant. I did. And then to. you were free. But I, in that time, had moved the Valkyrie charges up across the mezzanine. Yeah. And they were like, Terry, no, <laughs> you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then they um, they managed to shoot Terry. They did. They they, they tuned Terry. Absolutely vulcated them. I mean, and thank God for deflagrate. Yes, because not only did he take one, he got deflagrated and taken out again. So mm-hmm. the the beam bounced around and got him hit him twice. One thing we did also forget with um, which may have changed not that particular fight, but um, certainly your jump packs in general. Oh yeah, found out near the end of the game that they had hammer of wrath, which gives them a just a base attack, not a weapon attack on the charge. Yeah, which is uh, in, which may have um, certainly swung the. The... I think it probably could have helped me take out maybe one or two more. I mean, it's only a base hit, so it would have been a strength four hit, right? Yes. Against your toughness four, so that's a four. Yeah. So maybe one extra. Yeah, maybe one extra. Or just, yeah, another save to, to make. Yeah, might losing one of them. I think, I think one thing to say is because we have a lot of matched units in terms of our normal troops and everywhere else, um, fours and fours and fours and fours, mm. as in weapon skill, weapon skill three against weapon skill three, toughness. Because four, we were playing four. low points there, yeah. we didn't mix it up with a lot of specialist units or no. anything like that. So if we, you know, up the points and play this again, then we might be able to fit in some more veterans and stuff like this. If a veteran against a normal trooper, he's got the better weapon skill, right? Yes. So he's going to be, he's got that advantage in combat or. Definitely, stuff like that. and I think um, considering how many points was your veteran? My veteran, I think he was seventy-five. Yeah, only a few points lower than mine. Yeah, but that's all I had because I had sergeants that were then twenty odd points or something, and you had the three guys eighty. So I think you had two squads of five, right, with yeah. the headhunters leaders and then your hero yeah was i had three squads of five i had the five volkite chargers yeah the five assault marines and then five normal troopers yeah long story short you you tabled me eventually, eventually. yeah we played a full six turns four six turns but it was a tabling and i think that weight of those additional five guys that did help just from weight of fire really you know, and the advantage in the movement phase being able to then split off from your ad hoc units yeah when the holes appeared in your line and stuff like that, I could just then spread out and get into each quarter of the game and score those points. The Volkart Chargers did a lot of the work. The Assault Squad, although it took a little while, really held up your unit in that corner and, and stopped them from progressing. And then, yeah, my, my one Assault Sergeant locked up your saboteur. My headhunters of only one wound did really suffer. They Yeah, they were expensive for what they did. Yeah. But ultimately... By playing Decurion, it's really helped us to learn rules for yes. those units. We've been able to focus on that, whereas we're new players. 
I would recommend it to other people. If you're trying out a unit, play around a Jakurian and you can really focus on that unit, learn their rules in the, the kind of micro yeah, um, and see how they interact. Even yeah. if you're using proxy models for a unit that you want to buy yeah, or so want to model and haven't done yet. Definitely. And, and it creates a rule, a rules, uh, a frame set for you to basically see what an individual model can do and see what a small squad or a large squad of them can do at the same time within within that same game mode, which is really useful if you're just doing a you know a pure sort of weapons test or mm. unit test, which is really good. And although we haven't maybe mentioned it or haven't spoke too much about it in this particular episode, considering how much of a focus we are on or want to be on um, on the lore and on sort of narrative games, I think the basis here is a real rich one for narrative. Um, Very much so. Like you can proper dig down into the stories and we will definitely be using this game mode as part of the campaign we will build and encourage like people if they want to give it a go make sure they've got this resource available to be able to play these games as well yeah and we'll, we'll throw links um to all of what we referenced here into the the podcast notes, In the show notes yeah. yeah so ev- everyone can uh can go and see the great work that uh the, the community has already put together and, and it's a really great set of rules and anything that you know of that we haven't spoken about, do send it to us. We, you know, our socials will be linked. Tag us. Let us know what you play with, what community rules you use, or any homebrew rules you use. Yeah, we're we're very interested in what's out there and to learn about it and to shine a light on it. Yeah, hundred percent. We've been doing a little um, homebrewing ourselves, which we'll talk about at some point. For us, it's just a small, small game level currently, and Decurion is a really great way of getting to build those characters. I know the um, Iterators podcast um, wax lyrical about it and how really useful it is for building sort of character narratives. And you can build someone up from like a sergeant as your standard leader, or even a trooper who can be really exceptional. I mean, we played one game where it was was it your sergeant? I think it was that basically tanked. Oh, a load of hits on him. A load of hit, Like, I mean... Thank I God for Artificer Armour, yeah. I threw everything at him. And he just took every single shot for his ad hoc unit. You know, just literally just stood there and said, you know, come mm. at me. Yeah. And you used the Pyroclast. Um, it was just this sort of ziggurat. And like, oh, yes, we had the ziggurat terrain. And your guys had just defeated some of my guys at the bottom. I think you had three dudes, right? Yeah. And they were coming up the ziggurat towards me. And I had a Pyroclast at the top. And I just did the flamer down. And likewise... If there's anything you think we uh, we're sort of barking up the wrong trio in terms of rules, um, for example, me being able to use a saboteur, I did also use a Moritat in one of the games we played. I'm not 100% clear on whether or not, because for both those, it says that they can't be used as my Warlord. We we, did- we didn't use Warlord traits, though, so like I wasn't that bothered by using them. No, no, I, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're... I didn't take umbrage with it this time. <laughs> but he is want to do. Mm. Yeah, it would be great to hear back from anyone if, if they would categorise that as, um, you know, as, as the main HQ choice, whether it, I could have taken them or not. If you want to call him out on his choices. Yeah, on his hideous, hideous Alpha Legion arenas, please do. That's not what Alpharius would have done, said Alpharius. <laughs> not my Alpharius, <laughs> said Alpharius. I think we'll uh, we'll call it there, Chad. Yes, mate. All right. If you want to get in contact with us, please... Follow the socials. We will link them down below. Follow the socials. We'll also throw our... Come e- say hi. We'll also throw our email address down there as well. Why? Why an email address? We're not in the early noughties. Oh, he doesn't Who's going to email us? 
Well, how are we meant to know about our comments? Actually, no. Actually, you're right. No, forget about that. Well, just just send us a message on the old uh, on the old Instas, mate. That's easy peasy. Drop me a line in my DMs. That's what you do. All so. right, you're inviting everyone to your DMs, are you? <laughs> Always, all the time. Welcome to the... Uh, Just slide on in. Welcome to the Hydra Party. You can talk to potential listeners, but you can't paint a night in two weeks. Actually, no, you're quite right. I hold um, absolutely no ability to contact any of you. Um, that'll be mainly be Chad doing that. So <laughs> slide into our DMs, the, the podcast DMs. Yeah. That's the- just the Amasek talking. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, if anyone's coming to Warhammer Fest, we would love to see you all and say hello. You um, wouldn't know what we look like because this is a podcast so it's, <laughs> it's not a visual medium but we will be coming around handing out stickers you might see someone with a sticker on their person it might be us so say hello oh yes we'll just cover ourselves in stickers yes exactly one directly on my forehead okay um, that's how you know it's us yeah thank you so much for listening thanks for giving it a punt we yeah, appreciate that exactly we're all starting out in this new this new world of podcasting because because we need another hobby apparently yes now we're rambling so we will say goodbye and uh, thank you so much for listening and remember always leave home with your Gellerfields on it's crazy out there